you so much. Uh, you can turn me on. You can be seated. Thank you. Well, it's great to be with you. How many have had a great holiday? How many wish they were still on holiday? Well, we'll give you tomorrow off for you guys. And uh, we had Sam and Jody and the kids over one day in the holidays. And also Pastor Tark and Adrian, uh, we went out together for dinner. And the reason we did that was we were trying to prove how glorious the Easter's because they still don't believe that East Auckland has a glory on it that no other part of the city does. But anyway, we could be biased, but uh, we're glad to be out here at West. And you know, I think we were in 49, we did 49 church visits last year, but our favorite place is our home church. Uh, we just really, really uh, do love being among you. You feel like family, even though we don't talk or know a whole lot of you because we're traveling so much of the time, but really does feel like our home. So it's a thrill to be here. And as a start of the year, we want to share something prophetic today that we trust will bless you. And tonight, we're going to be praying for all the under 35s. I believe God is breathing on that generation and below. And I think it's going to be a very powerful night, and, and so please encourage them to come. And if you're over 35, this w the word will be for you, and God is going to speak to you as well, because he's after all ages. So we're going to have a great night tonight. Honey, over to you. All right. I'm going to get straight into it. Um, we'll share some of the prophetic things God is speaking tonight as well, but he has just a small little bit um, some of what we sense in God highlighting, the light in the darkness, and 2020s, the decade of the seeing eye. You know, as we step into the 2020s, we are entering a most significant time in history. Never has it been so important to be living in close intimacy with Jesus, to be constantly praying and seeking God so we can hear clearly then act in dependency on the Holy Spirit's timing and leading. Father intends every one of us to understand the times and know what we should do, just like the sons of Issachar. We will see what to do. And the Lord spoke to me um, indeed what this all means through unusual encounters with owls and roosters. And it all started um, on an early morning run up a long road last year, and I'd run there many times before, but this particular morning, it was pitch dark, and I heard more porks regularly hooting on both sides of the road. And at the same time, there was this cacophony of roosters regularly crowing on both sides of the road. And this occurred another three times. Um, on that when I ran that road. And interesting, even though it was totally different times of the year, the sunrise was coming up different. It was always pitch dark. And each time the Lord confirmed what I sense him saying. So what's he saying through owls? Well, of course, the moorpork is a type of owl. Here's one of the things. For the days ahead, wisdom will be vitally important we all need to be as wise as ours and ask Father for more wisdom, James 1.5. Something else, ours have an incredible ability to see in the darkness and they also have highly developed hearing. You know, their necks can rotate 270 degrees, mine can't. 
as a result, they can see 360 degrees. In other words, they miss nothing. 2020 is the decade of the seeing eye. God intends us to see with the clarity of 2020 vision. He's wakening our ears to hear his voice and listen with increased sharpness. Isaiah 50 verse 4. The Lord is releasing greater revelatory anointing to those who seek him. Ask, Father, to give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation. That's Ephesians 1.17. Holy Spirit's been highlighting Daniel 2.22. He reveals deep and hidden things. He knows what lies hidden in darkness, and light dwells with him, and there's treasures in darkness. Besides the revelatory anointing, God's also imparting great discernment to believers to clearly see what is truth from deception, good from evil. As spiritual owls, we will see in the darkness, we will hear accurately, we will discern what the Lord is purposing, and we will also see what the enemy is, in, is scheming so we can thwart him. You know, Proverbs 20.12 says, eyes to see and ears to hear are a gift from the Lord. Jesus is the light in the darkness. And he, he recently said these, these words to me, and they for every one of us. I am the light. When we walk together, you always walk in the light of my presence. You will never walk in darkness, even though darkness is around you in the world. Gratitude and thanksgiving defeats the darkness of the enemy. Praise and worship pushes back the darkness because the light of my presence is released and darkness cannot stand against it but must retreat. That's the power of worship. Um, in releasing his presence and pushing back the darkness. So wh what is God saying about roosters? That, that I heard all these roosters crowing at the same time as the Morpaw chorus. But every time these words came, roosters herald the dawn of a new day. Here's a fact. The crow of a rooster is because of an internal clock, not because of the light. It is not because of what he can see with his natural eyes. Because researchers have found that roosters will still crow at the same time, even if they're kept in a permanent dark place. And here's the point. We must stay in tune with our internal clock, the Holy Spirit who lives within us. The Bible says the kingdom of God is within you. Be like roosters. And God is saying every one of us, like Barry, Herald the dawn of a new day in the darkness of the world. Just even invite somebody to church. The darkness of hopelessness and oppression, confusion and deception. We have something fantastic to crow about. And it's part of our mandate. The Spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me to proclaim, i.e. herald good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim, i.e. herald, like a rooster, freedom and release from darkness to the prisoners, recovery of sight to the blind. 2020 is the decade of the seeing eye. The blind will see. The eyes will open. Many lost will see Jesus, the light in the darkness, and be born again. And, and as in Acts 26, Jesus says this to us, I am sending you to open their eyes so they may turn from darkness to light. 
We're in these Isaiah 60 days. In the darkness, the light of God's glory will shine ever brighter on us so the kingdom of light can advance in the earth. Amen. You know, Greta's um, prophetic anointing, she's a seer. And seers, uh, God speaks a lot through natural signs. So I walk down the same street and hear all those roosters. I think, what a blooming, noisy bunch. Be quiet. You're interrupting my nice walk. And she's getting a prophetic message. So that's the difference right there. Uh, some of you were asked, have, are we, have we got our books? Yes, we do have our books. And I know a number of you are new to the church. So I know some of you have bought already, but they are available today. Um, our book, Hope, Finding the Gateway to a Better Future, based on the scripture, I will transform the valley of trouble into a gateway of hope. So this book is my first wife and my journey through um, very dark valleys and how God gave us keys to see those valleys transformed into gateways of hope. And I'm a living testimony. He really does open doorways of hope and valleys of trouble. So if you want to know those keys or you know someone and need some hope, grab that. And the sequel book, uh, Afterlife, um, our spouses passed away. Um, Greta and I navigated through grief. God taught us a whole lot about that, brought us together. But the rest of the book is all on you know, what happens, uh, life after death, heaven, judgment, the return of Jesus, the new earth, the new heaven, all of that stuff. So do check that out um, in the foyer. So the title of my message today is The Magnificent Seven. And I'm not preaching about a cowboy movie just to uh, make you allay your fears. Uh, all will be revealed. You know, everyone's saying about the 2020s, oh, 2020 vision, you don't have to be a prophet to sort of get that. But I really do believe what Greta said, that actually, as cliched as that might be, it, there is a reality about it, that I believe God wants to give his people clarity of vision, clarity of understanding like as never before. Because I think in the 2020s, we are headed for very turbulent days in the nations, very murky, cloudy, foggy uh, atmosphere in these next 10 years of, of, tr of, of truth being clouded by deception and fake news, etc. So I think we're going to see turbulent times physically in the nations, uh, weather and all of that stuff. But... And certainly, we're going to need to be a people that, like the, the, the people in uh, 1 Chronicles 12, 23, the tribe of Issachar, it says about them that they understood the signs of the times and knew the best course for Israel to take. And I don't know about you, but if you're a parent, you and I as parents and grandparents, we need to understand the times and seasons to help our kids and our grandkids figure out the best course to take. We that are older need to have a wisdom that is being imparted to the young generation, but they themselves, I believe God is going to open the eyes of an army of under 35-year-olds from right, you know, one and two right up because he's after that generation to do exploits in the earth. Now I'm starting to preach tonight's message. But anyway, uh, I believe in these, uh, these next years, God's going to deploy his people into places of, and positions of influence in this coming decade. And so we need that same spirit that was upon Issachar to understand times and seasons. And uh, the key, if you want to know the key to being a person 
that would understand the world from God's perspective, the first key is read the Bible. Uh, when you read the Bible, day after day, week after week, month after month, year after year, you know what you get? You get a biblical worldview. You don't get a fake news worldview. You don't get a social media worldview. You don't get a liberal media worldview. You don't get some philanthropist or philosopher's worldview. You get his worldview. You begin to see the world through his eyes. If you don't read the Bible, then you're going to have the worldview of some other person or some other thing or some other philosophy, and that will lead you down a wrong path. Proverbs says there's a way that seems right to a person, but it's end is the way to death. All over the world today, people are creating ways they think are right. Do this, follow that belief system, go here, go there, and its end is the way to death. We need a biblical worldview. We need to get back to reading the Word of God. And I know as this church, we really encourage that, and that's fantastic, but do it. But the other thing we need, aside from reading the Bible, is we need the Spirit of the Lord. See, it's word and spirit, because the Holy Spirit is the spirit of revelation. We read in uh, Revelation 4 verse 5, an interesting scripture, uh, John's vision of the throne room of God. It says, from the throne came flashes of lightning, uh, rumblings and peals of thunder in front of the throne. Seven lamps were blazing. These are the seven spirits of God. The NLT version says, this is the sevenfold spirit of God. Now, when you read that, you think, what are the seven spirits of God? Are there seven holy spirits? No, there are not seven holy spirits. There's one holy spirit manifesting himself in seven ways. So you take, for example, white light. You can see white light coming from here. But if I had a prism and shone the light through it, we would get the spectrum if we can have the next slide. And we know that in the spectrum, white light can be split into seven colors. Is that right? Red, orange, yellow, green, blue, indigo, and violet. That's the seven colors of the spectrum, but it's one white light. Or take the Jewish candlestick, the menorah that was in the temple, in the holy place. It is one lampstand, but it has seven lamps. Uh, has kind of a central branch and then six other branches. And those are pictures, I believe, that God's put in creation and also in the Word of God. He's put pictures for us to help understand one Holy Spirit, but He's a sevenfold Spirit, and He manifests in seven ways. You say, well, what are those seven ways? Well, again, the Bible's amazing. It always, if you go searching, it'll always give the answer. So we're going to turn to Isaiah 11, verses 1 to 3. And Isaiah is prophesying about Jesus. He says, a shoot will come up from the stump of Jesse. Jesse was uh, David's, King David's father. And the, ki you know, the king had been cut off. The kingdom had been cut down to a stump. Uh, but he's saying the Messiah is going to come. A shoot will come from the stump of Jesse. From his roots, a branch will bear fruit. The spirit of the Lord will rest upon him. The spirit of wisdom and of understanding. The spirit of counsel and of might the spirit of knowledge and the fear of the Lord. And he will delight in the fear of the Lord. He will not judge by what he sees with his eyes or decide by what he hears with his ears. If ever there was an hour in planet earth where you and I need that last bit, 
that we will not judge or make decisions or make conclusions based on what our natural ears hear and natural eyes see. How many know the devil's been lying since the Garden of Eden? I mean, fake news is not fake just because Donald Trump invented the term. Fake news was right back in the Garden of Eden. And Adam and Eve bought the lie, and look, we're in a fallen world today because of it. But I'm so glad Jesus is coming back. He is going to restore paradise. He's going to restore heaven on earth. It will not always be like it is today. You know, people worry about climate change. I read the book of Revelation. Wow, when God pours out the judgments, talk about climate change then. It says everyone will be scorched. Just leave that thought with you to encourage you this morning. So what are these sevenfold spirits of the Lord? Well, let's look at the first, the spirit of the Lord. That's like the central, uh, uh, the, the central thing of that lampstand. And really, this is the spirit of lordship. So when the Holy Spirit is poured out on a believer, when you are born again, the spirit comes to live in you because you wouldn't be born again otherwise. And then when you're baptized with the Spirit, the Spirit comes upon you. But the first thing that the Holy Spirit will do in yours and my lives is work in our hearts to cause us to submit to the Lordship of Christ. He is Lord. Jesus said, why do you call me Lord and do not do what I say? And I believe that in this decade, God is going after holiness and purity and submission to the Lordship of Jesus Christ. We've got, we've got a cheap Christianity in some circles where you can do anything you like and still claim to be a follower of Jesus. Actually, Jesus said, if you're going to follow me, take up your cross, die to yourself, and, and you know, make me Lord. And I know none of us is perfect, and we all deal with the imperfection of that, but it's an attitude of heart of submitting obediently to the Lordship of Christ. And the, when the Holy Spirit's poured out upon a person, the first thing that comes upon us, the Spirit of Lordship. Jesus said in John 15, 14 to 15, you are my friends if you do what I command. How many want to be a friend of Jesus? I sure do. Well, he says, here's the condition, do what I command. Now, he's not talking about religious perfectionism or sinless perfection. He's talking about a heart that wants to please him, a heart that wants to obey him. Yeah, you might stumble and fall. We all do. The steps of a good person are ordered by the Lord, and he delights in his way. Though they fall, they'll not be utterly cast down. The Lord upholds them. We all know times where we fall into sin or we make a mistake, and, but we get up again, and we say, well, Lord, I'm committing again to the Lordship of Christ. You, you are my friends if you do what I command. I no longer call you servants because a servant doesn't know his master's business. Instead, I've called you friends for everything I've learned from my Father I've made known to you. You know the reason the Holy Spirit comes upon us, the first of the sevenfold anointings he releases of Lordship is to bring us into friendship. Submitting to the Lordship of Jesus is not to bring you and me into slavery. It is to bring us into friendship and bring us into revelation because once you're a friend of Jesus, he will take what the Father has revealed to him and reveal it to you. He wants to give us, see some people think, oh, obeying the Lordship of Christ, you know, that's going to cramp my style. It means I can't sleep around with anyone I want to. Yes, you can't because uh, you can't do that. 
or I can't do this and I can't. And people think in terms of what they can't do. But listen, when you bow to the Lordship of Christ, that sin will destroy you anyway. That sin will never satisfy you in the long term. It's short-term pleasure for long-term pain. But God is saying, if you submit to my Lordship, come on, here's the, here's the result. Friendship and revelation. Wow. I want to have Jesus as my friend, and I want to be hearing his voice. The second spirit is the spirit of wisdom. And this is more than a word of wisdom, which is one of the gifts of the spirit, but it's a spirit that anoints you and rests upon you. And it's not only just growing in wisdom through the experiences of life, and that's a valid realm of wisdom, but it's like supernatural wisdom. It's a supernatural spirit that begins to rest Upon you. And I think the more you walk with the Lord and the more you are, allow yourself to be filled with the Spirit and, and the more you're sensitive to the Spirit, you will find the Spirit of wisdom resting upon you. So more and more consistently, your decisions will be wise. Your counsel will be wise. Your understanding will be wise. Ever been in a situation where you're talking to a friend and something, you just say something and it's so wise? It's like, wow, where did that come from? And I'm, I'm often in that, that situation, we're talking with pastors, and I'll say something wise, and I thought, wow, that's so good, and I repeat it. I say it again. And, and sometimes Greta will say to me, sweetheart, do you realize you were repeating yourself? And I thought, well, yes, because it was so good, I wanted to hear myself say it again. It was like, it was so incredible. And I know it's not me, it's the spirit of wisdom. The spirit of wisdom, so needed. Today, because you know what, governments and corporations and are not going to have answers for the problems that are coming upon the earth. And I believe God is going to anoint His people, young and old, with the Spirit, the sevenfold Spirit of the Lord. And the Spirit of wisdom is going to rest on His people like as never before. And if you're hungry for that and you ask for that, God's Spirit will rest upon you. Parents, you need that with your kids. All that our children and grandchildren are facing today, one of the, I think it's one of the toughest hours in history for our kids and grandkids to be growing up today. We sure need to pray wisdom on them and we need to exercise wisdom towards them. The spirit of understanding. This is insight, perception about what is happening, understanding the times and seasons in which we live, knowing what is going on, not being fooled. People have been asking me, do you think the fires in Australia are a judgment of God upon Australia? How many have been asked that question or thought it? You know, it's like, oh, nobody. Okay, you're a very, you're a very, um, unthinking bunch. <laughs> These things don't occur to you. You've been on holiday. You haven't been caring about deep theological issues like this, I can tell. So uh, anyway, but anyway, I've been thinking about that. And I've been asking, you know, is that a judgment of God? Because if it was, wouldn't we deserve it as well? Wouldn't, wouldn't a whole lot of other nations deserve it? And I was thinking about it. You know, in World War I, if a soldier deserted or showed cowardice under fire, he'd be put in front of a firing squad and shot. Now that's judgment. But you take a police officer who decides to go out on patrol one day and says, I can't be bothered wearing my bulletproof vest. It's too hot. So he leaves it in the car 
goes out on patrol, and he gets caught up in an altercation with somebody with a gun, and a bullet enters him and kills him. That's not judgment. That's lack of protection. When a nation no longer wants to follow God and make him Lord of that nation, God doesn't, oh, well, I'm going to send you a thunderbolt of judgment. He actually says, well, I can't bless you anymore. Because you won't follow me, I can't bless you anymore. So I have to lift my hand of protection off you. So you're kind of on your own. That's lack of protection. And I would suggest that a lot of what our nation is seeing with blights and pestilences and stuff, a lot of the climate change stuff that's happening in the earth, a lot of the, a lot of the stuff, I would suggest there are natural causes, of course, but I would suggest that if you're going to try and answer it from a spiritual point of view, I would suggest it's more lack of protection and blessing, and we're just vulnerable to whatever comes. Because if you read the Old Testament, when Israel followed the Lord, he blessed them. And when they didn't, he was on, they were on their own. Every kind of horrible thing happened, and the weather, and raiders coming in, and all sorts of stuff happened. And that's not to say God doesn't send judgments on the earth right now. He does. But could I suggest to you that any time God does judge a person, a nation, or whatever, it's a judgment of discipline that's designed to bring redemption and see them come to him. It's not a judgment of wrath like we read about in the book of Revelation, which is the, the end times and God, that's it, no more grace, and he pours his judgment out. You know, it's interesting when Jesus quoted Isaiah 61, the spirit of the Lord is upon me. He's anointed me to preach good news to the poor, recovery of sight to the blind, uh, to open prison doors and set the captives free and proclaim the year of God's favor. In Luke 4, 18, Jesus stops right there. Proclaim the year of favor. But Isaiah goes on, proclaim the year of God's favor and the day of vengeance of our God. Interesting, Jesus stopped. Why? Because he was inaugurating an era of grace and mercy to bring people to Christ. You say, David, how did you get that understanding? I didn't read it in a book. I'd just been reading my Bible for years, and I've been walking under the anointing of the Spirit, so he begins to invade my thinking with his thinking. And I'm not saying I have an infallibly accurate view on that whole issue, because I probably don't, but at least I've got some wisdom to answer somebody that might say, that's a judgment. Was the Christchurch earthquake a judgment? Was the massacre of the Muslims a judgment on Christchurch? Well, I've given you some parameters that maybe now you can come to your own conclusions. I'll tell you what, the spirit of understanding, the spirit of counsel, the ability to give advice through spiritual revelation. Often we counsel others according to our own experience, and that's good sometimes, but not at others. The Holy Spirit is called the counselor, and every believer can counsel if we tune in to the Holy Spirit. You know, we sit with many pastors um, and leaders in different nations, and they just begin to share their hearts with us, and they really can't do a lot of that within the church. So when somebody from outside comes and they know we hold confidence, that's a very, I tell you what, 
anyone ever shares a problem with you, you must hold confidentiality. You must not share that with anyone else. Holding confidentiality is absolutely essential for the spirit of counsel to rest upon you. Because if the spirit of counsel starts resting upon you, people will seek you out and want your advice. But listen, you cannot go and break confidences with others. I don't know why I'm saying that, but some of you in this room have been burned that way. Is that right? You shared things secretly uh, with people and it got out. And you don't want that to happen to anyone. We sit with these pastors and they're facing problems. And yeah, I've pastored two churches before and been on the staff of a large church. So I've got accumulated life experience. But then there's some things they share. I don't have any, ex- any experiential framework for it. Neither does Greta. But what we have, Holy Spirit is upon us. And we say, Lord, give us something for these guys. And the spirit of counsel can kick in because he is upon us. And we say, hey, this is maybe what you should consider. And God begins to minister into their lives. And you may not be sitting with pastors, but you may be sitting with your grandkids. You may be sitting with your kids. You may be sitting with a friend or a neighbor, a classmate. And they're talking about their problems. Instead of just agreeing, oh, that's so terrible. I feel so sorry for you. Why don't you say, hey, I am clothed with the Holy Spirit. The spirit of counsel rests upon me. Lord, would you give me some wisdom and some counsel here? And then the other spirit is the spirit of might. And this is, not, this is strength of character. It's perseverance. It's, it's not being tossed to and fro. It's like standing your ground. Like God puts a mighty spirit within you that you're not, when, when winds of adversity blow, you're not blown down by them. When, when winds of doctrine and deceiving doctrines of demons that are rife in the planet today, when they come at us, oh, and they always come cloaked as an angel of light. They always look good. Error and deception always looks good because they have an element of truth in it. It's saying, I'm not going to buy into that because I'm reading my Bible and I know the truth and the spirit of truth and the spirit of might rests upon me and I'm not going to buckle to that. I'm not going to buckle to the peer pressure on social media to look good. I'm going to be real. And in my realness and humility, the spirit of might is going to clothe me and I'm going to be able to stand up, not because I'm Miss Popularity or Mr. Popularity, but because the Holy Spirit is upon me. I am not going to chase after the world for continual affirmation. I'm going to have it already from Him. Spirit of might, and it also means strength to run the race. Isaiah 40, 29 to 31, he gives power to the faint and to him who has no might, he increases strength. Even youths shall faint and be weary and young men shall fall exhausted. But they who wait on the Lord, they who hope in the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. Don't know why I'm speaking to this side of the church. There must be some tired people over here. The Lord says... Wait on him. You shall run and not be weary. You shall walk and not faint. You shall mount up with wings as eagles. You know, eagles are one of the only birds that actively seek a storm because they know if they can get in it, they'll go higher. Wow. 
And I believe the spirit of might means supernatural power, healings, miracles, deliverances, how the church needs to move in that dimension. I tell you what, Rodney Howard Brown, the, the father of the laughing revival, I don't know whether there's going to be a lot of laughing that night, but I tell you, that man carries power. That man's seen things that you and I need to see in our nation. Spirit of knowledge. Again, more than a word of knowledge comes by revelation, rests on you as you walk with the Holy Spirit. You know what's true and what is fake. And finally, the spirit of the fear of the Lord. And doesn't mean being scared of God. It means reverencing Him, respecting Him, loving Him, honoring Him, putting Him in the first place. It means we get convicted of sin because we realize that it, it is going to grieve Him. And we don't want to do anything to grieve him. We don't want to do anything out of fear that would shatter the intimacy, the intimate connection that we enjoy with the Lord. And so that fear of the Lord, that, that desire for purity and holiness, that no compromise with the world, the spirit of the fear of the Lord. I believe that one of the great sweeping moves of the Holy Spirit that is coming, and Greta said it, many prophetic voices are saying that coming in this decade and beyond is going to be a release of the fear of the Lord through the earth, starting in the church, starting in the church. It's not being legalistic, it's being loving, it's speaking the truth in love. So what is the result of the sevenfold anointing of the Holy Spirit resting upon us? Well, the result is we will not judge by what our natural eyes see or by what our natural ears hear. And I believe that is going to be vital in the 2020s. What is the key, you say, to releasing the sevenfold fullness of the Holy Spirit upon our lives? Well, Jesus gives the key in John 14, verses 16 to 17. He says, I will pray the Father, and he will give you another helper that he may abide with you forever, the spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him. That's the key. You know him, for he dwells with you and will be in you. You know him, not just about him. By the way, can we please stop calling the Holy Spirit the Holy Ghost in this church? Whoever does the notices, ghost is gone. The ghostbusters have arrived. It is the Holy Spirit. All right? So could we, is that all right, guys? Could you do that? It just irks me every time I see it. He's not a holy ghost. You go out to your unsafe friend, well, the, the sermon was about the Holy Ghost. They're going to think like, whoa, is that some kind of new movie or something like? Is it, what, what is that? He's the Holy Spirit. Spirit means life. He's the breath of God. And you know him. I don't want to know a ghost, but I do want to know the Holy Spirit. Thought I'd just get my pennies worth in and probably won't, probably won't be ever asked to speak again. But anyway. So guys, could you, if you ever see ghost up there, could you write a letter to Pastor Sam, please? And, and, and if anyone from the, oh, I better not say that, okay, no, that could get me into trouble. Digging a hole, I'll just step out of it, and uh, you know him. Pastor Yongi Cho, pastors one of the largest churches in the world, he says, I know the Holy Spirit better than my own wife. It's just like 
intimate connection with him, tuning into him. The other thing I'd suggest is if you really want to go after the sevenfold anointing of the Spirit, memorize Isaiah 11, 1 to 3, so that you can pray it without having to read it. It's not hard. And, and we pray this over our lives and over our children and grandchildren. I've got nine and a half grandchildren, and uh, one's about to be born next month, number 10. And we are praying, oh God, anoint us and anoint them with the spirit of lordship and of knowledge, wisdom, counsel, understanding, might, and the fear of the Lord so that they would not judge by what their eyes see or by what their ears hear. And because I've memorized it, I can just pray it anytime, anywhere. Could I suggest you put it on your fridge, you memorize it, and this year you make a real effort. Say, God, I'm going to pray this over my life until it begins to happen. I want that sevenfold anointing of the Holy Spirit on my life so that I will not judge by what my eyes see or ears hear. And not only that, so I will be a powerfully effective servant, friend of Jesus to bring him to the lost people in my world. Can we stand, please? You know, there may be some of you here that are not believers in the Lord Jesus, and, and Pastor Sam will give an opportunity in a moment for you to make your connection with God. But can I just say this? The Bible, Jesus said, unless you're born again of the Holy Spirit, you cannot enter the kingdom of heaven. And so the Holy Spirit, the sevenfold spirit, you can't receive him until you first receive Jesus and have him forgive your sins. When you receive the Savior, then you can receive the gift of the Holy Spirit upon your life. And so Pastor Sam will be giving an opportunity in a moment for people to receive the Lord Jesus or come back to him. But I am believing in the two, two or three minutes we've got before we have to head to the city. I'm asking that the Holy Spirit will impart something into this meeting today. And when I release this, I haven't got time to ask my beautiful wife on stage to help me because we're short on time. But I, when, when I release this, if you have hunger for this, and if you have faith to believe, you can receive something through declared impartation then something's gonna be downloaded into your life today. And then your job is to go and fan it into flame. Memorize that scripture, pray over it, believe God when you're in difficult situations. Hey, wait a minute, I have a spirit of understanding on me. He's called the Holy Spirit. Yeah, I won't go and sin because I have the spirit of the fear of the Lord on me and I love Him too much to do that thing. Why don't you lift your hands to the Lord and just shut your eyes for a minute and like you're going to receive something. Holy Spirit, we honor your beautiful presence here today. We thank you, Lord, that you are our helper, counselor, comforter, guide, and teacher. But you also are the seven spirits of God. You represent God fully. For God is wisdom. He is counsel. He is understanding. He is might. He is knowledge. And right now across this room, Spirit of God, would you pour out, Father Jesus, would you pour out the sevenfold anointing of the Holy Spirit on everybody that has their hands raised in the air, calling on you. In the name of Jesus, I release the anointing of the Spirit all over this room. I release the power of the Holy Spirit all over this room right now. Receive 
the Spirit of God. Receive the sevenfold anointing of the Spirit of God. As you step into 2020, you'll not step into your circumstances alone. You have the Spirit of God upon you, manifesting through you in seven ways. In the name of Jesus, receive that anointing. Receive that empowering. Let it touch you right now. Some of you are feeling the power of God go through you right now. Others, you may not be feeling anything, but you take it by faith. And so, Lord, I pray from this day on that we will walk more fully in the sevenfold anointing of the Holy Spirit to navigate through this incredible decade that you are unleashing, to be as wise as ours and alert as roosters in the name of Jesus. We're going to sing a great song right now that would allow you to just let the Holy Spirit keep ministering to you. Thank you, team.